Good morning, First Church. It is a great day to be at First Church this morning. Man, I am excited. In fact, uh, I, want, I want to echo what Pastor Mike says and say, just welcome to Next Gen Sunday. Let's put our hands together for all of our students and kids who made this day possible. Yes. Man, it's always a good day when it's Next Gen Sunday. Uh, as Pastor Mike already mentioned, today is the kickoff and the beginning of our brand new series called The Blessed Life for this year. Um, and so I have a verse that I want to read. So in honor of the word of God, if you would just stand with me. It is from Malachi 3 verses 10. And it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. In Jesus' name, if you would pray with me, thank you, God, for this moment. I'm asking you to speak to each and every one of us. Speak to our hearts and our minds. For my speech and my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. In Jesus' name. High five a couple neighbors as you sit down. Jesus' name. Our pastor, Harold Hoffman, one of the greatest pastors I personally know, and I'm so blessed to be raised in this church underneath him. Yeah, let's put our hands together for him. Incredible man of God. Now, he says it all the time. He rarely, he's not a money preacher. That's just not what he does. But a few years ago, he read a book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And I recommend you guys read it if you want to, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And after he read this book, he decided that this should be a series that we go through annually here at First Church. And I love it. We've been doing it for three or four years now. And every single year, I get something brand new out of it. I get a brand new revelation, a brand new conviction from this series. And so I'm, I'm honored and I'm intimidated to be speaking to you about this subject. But hey, it's all going to be good. And so the point of this series, The Blessed Life, is actually to shed some light on a topic that a lot of people and a lot of Christians just don't know enough about. You see, money is discussed biblically more than we discuss it in the church, right? Money is a topic that's discussed more biblically than almost any other topic, which is crazy. 11 out of 29 parables are about money. The word money is mentioned in 120 verses in the Bible, but the second you start to add the words finances, greed, contentment, tithes, gold, silver, investing, possessions, wealth, all those things, the number jumps up to 2,300 times. So yes, money is absolutely important to the Bible. And in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever preached, he preached about so many topics, judging, the golden rule, divorce, oaths, retaliation, murder, adultery, giving, prayer, love. The longest topic was about wealth. The second longest topic was about prayer, priorities. And so I believe that a lot of churches don't discuss money because it's a very personal and it's a very sensitive subject for the individual but also because there have been so many pastors and churches and TV preachers who have taken advantage of the church through money. And so a lot of pastors and a lot of, a lot of churches just don't like to be placed in the same category as the people who just put a bad name on, on money preaching, right? But here at First Church, we like to talk about what's uncomfortable because that's what God does, you know? 
So I just, there's so many verses I could pick from, but I just tossed in my favorite ones. Matthew 6, 21. So for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Ecclesiastes 5, 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever, lo- whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Hebrew 13 and 5 says, keep your lives free from money. Free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 19, 24. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to make his way through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's important. These things are crucial to your salvation. You see, money is critical to your walk with God because money to us represents so many things. It represents our time. It represents our safety, security, well-being. represents our discipline. It represents how people view us, their opinion of us, and it represents how we view ourselves. You see, as people, money represents security and safety. But to God, money represents a risk and a threat to your salvation. He looks at money completely differently. You see, I was taught my whole life that God won't give you what he can't trust you with. And unfortunately, like many people in this room, I'm the kid who has to touch the stove to know that it's hot. I, don't, I can't just hear it. I have to touch it, okay? And so every lesson that I have has been based off of things I've lived through and got burnt from, okay? So Bianca and I were blessed financially the moment that we began to steward our money and tithe biblically. You see, when we put together our budget, the first line item was our tithe. The second line item, which we wanted to put together, was our giving budget, right? You can't give while being stewarding at the same time without budgeting for it. You know, there are people that just give like crazy, but they're not stewarding what they actually have. That's not biblical. See, being a steward of your finances is just as important to God as stewarding your time, your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Why? Because all of these things, including money, dictates your heart. It shows exactly what you believe on the inside. And so, as Pastor Mike says, by the very nature, money is funny. It's very funny. People get real weird when you start talking about money. It's very personal for whatever reason. I don't know. And so people can become very insecure when I start talking about money. They become embarrassed, overwhelmed just by the concept of money. They don't like discussing it altogether. There are people in this room just saying, hey, let's just shove this one under the rug and I'll pray about my money problems away. But that's not how God works. 65% of Americans don't know how much they spent last month. 60% of Americans don't budget their money altogether. And so this is so crucial when we talk about money tied with the biblical salvation and truth is is very powerful, and so, <clears throat> as I said before, I've been burned very many many times with money. And in fact, I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be a, a bank right down the street. It's called TCF Bank. Now TCF was my first bank, and some people in this room might have been surprised when TCF Bank closed their doors about a year ago. Me, on the other hand, I was not surprised for a moment. I have a very, very thorough, very robust theory on why TCF Bank closed down. Some of y'all think it's because of COVID. I know why. TCF Bank closed down because just short, just after we switched to Chase Bank, TCF Bank actually closed down. I truly believe that I single-handedly kept TCF Bank afloat for years. They should have been shut down 10 years ago, but I've been holding them strong. And the moment I switched over, they shut their doors. You see... I've been holding TCF Bank up so long with $34 increments, it's not even funny. They got so much money from me, it's not a joke. 
Some of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say $34 increments. I remember as a college kid working at Subway, making $7.50 an hour, I would come home I'm away from work or school or, or being an idiot, and I would find my gas tank about 20 miles below empty. And then I would look at my TCF account, and I would see it has zero dollars and zero cents in it. And so what I've learned through a lot of practice and repetition and $34 worth of investments, I learned that TCF Bank actually had a, a, a rule that you can actually go below zero, you just can't go below negative one. See, they won't charge you if you're minus 50 cents. They'll only charge you if you're minus a dollar, all right? So, <clears throat> we all play the game, right? <laughs> or we go to the gas station, and you want to put exactly $20 into the bank, or into, the, into your car, and you try to hit it right on the money. See, some of you guys are really bad at it. I, on the other hand, I'm a professional. If you want $27.52, you will not get 53 cents. You'll get... $27.52 on the penny. The reason why is because of TCF Bank. I am the man I am today because of TCF Bank. I appreciate everything that they've done for me. But I remember those nights driving home from whatever with $0 in my bank account. But I knew that I could put $0.99 cents worth of gas just to putter home because of TCF. And so that's what I did. I became an expert at pumping my gas right at $0.99. Cents. So if y'all need some help, just let me know. And you see, at the time, being a broke college kid, I actually thought that my brokenness was determined by the amount of money I made. I found out that that's not true either, right? See, your brokenness is actually not a money problem. It's a you problem. It's a management problem. See, if I was working at Subway now, the Subways now, back then, making $17.50 now, that's crazy. I would still be just as broke because it's not a money problem. You see, a lot of people actually think that once their income increases, so will their management. No, that's not true. The reason why is because in your mind, the first thing on the list isn't managing your money. It's the quality of life. In reality, you're dreaming about the next car. You're dreaming about the bigger house or the addition. You're dreaming about the next wardrobe. Come on now. Don't lie to yourselves now. We all know it's true. And so the reason why you're not going to change your habits is because your priorities aren't straight, which means when you do get the increase in your job, you'll still be broke. You'll just be broke with heated seats. So congratulations. Same thing, just with a nice toasty butt, you know. But unfortunately, heat doesn't make money grow. It just doesn't. But luckily today... I'm not here to talk about money. That's not my, go my, that's not my job. Today, I'm here to talk about our priorities. You see, if you want to learn about money management and all that stuff, I, I, I trust that you can go to Pastor Mike's house at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights for Financial Peace University. Let's give it up for that life group. Hey, oh! Oh, yes. But I'm not here to talk about money management. I'm here to talk about our priorities because there is a biblical principle far more important than managing money. Okay, And this biblical principle won't leave you broke like your money management issues. It'll actually leave you stealing from God. You see, there is a biblical word called the tithe. And some people might have never heard this word. If you haven't grown up in church, 
If you don't know this stuff, it's called a tithe, and, and you might be asking, what is a tithe? And if I ask somebody who is in the church, they would tell me, well, the tithe is the 10% of your income. Leviticus 27 says, a tenth of the produce of the land, whether of grain, fruit, is the Lord's, and it is holy. And I would say to that, you're almost right. You see, the reason money is funny is because it's so personal to us. There are some people who would sit down and debate over pennies, but can't remember the last time they talked about God. And that's because money is more of a heart issue than it is a management issue or a planning issue. And so is the tithe. The tithe is 100% heart. Okay? So tithing is a principle from both the Old and the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, there is a huge influence and emphasis on the firstborn of anything. The firstborn of a family, the firstborn of a flock, the firstborn of any animal is so important to the Old Testament. And there's actually two categories that any firstborn thing had to be placed in. If you were firstborn, you were either sacrificed or redeemed. You were either sacrificed or redeemed. And redemption, redeemed, actually means to be replaced and something else sacrificed on its behalf. Okay? So, so clean firstborn sacrifice, unclean firstborn is redeemed or replaced by a spotless lamb who is sacrificed on its behalf. And another important concept that's very similar to the firstborn is something called the first fruits offering. In Leviticus 23, when you come into the land which I have given you uh, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. So there's this principle, another principle about the first, the first, the first. And it's so important when it comes to the tithe. You see, the question that we have to ask ourselves whenever we start talking about money or tithing is, where do our things actually come from? Your possessions, where do they come from? Do they come from us? How much of it comes from us? And the fact is, nothing. Nothing we possess actually comes directly from us. And you say to me, no, I work every single day, 50 hours a week. I grind for what I have. And I would reply, who put breath in your lungs? Who put sanity in your mind? Who put strength in your bones to even be able to work? All things come from God. All things. And so I respect everybody who grinds for their money, but I'm telling you, you wouldn't even have the ability without God. You see, the nation of Israel was a nation of farmers and herders, and, and you never knew if you would get a second. So God's calling you to sacrifice the firstborn sheep, and you do so without knowing you're going to have a second. God's calling you to, to sacrifice the first harvest, the first fruits, and you do so without knowing if it's going to be the last of the season. You see, Israel had a complete trust in the provisions of God. They knew that they were at the complete will of God. They can't eat without God, but they wouldn't have food without him anyway. And so before they fed their family, they returned their tithes, their first fruit. They gave it back to God, the one who gave it to them. It's saying, God, I wouldn't have anything without you anyways, so let me return what is rightfully yours in the first place. And one of the greatest stories and examples, and one of the first ones, is actually Cain and Abel in Genesis. You see, Cain and Abel were brothers, and they both gave offerings unto God. But one was accepted, and one was rejected. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. And in the process of time, and it came to pass that Cain brought an offering 
of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offerings, and he did not respect Cain and his offering. And people have questioned why. Like, what's the point? It has nothing to do with livestock, and it has nothing to do with harvest. These are just two completely different professions. That doesn't matter. But the very first verse says exactly why. And in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain did not bring the first. He brought what was left over. In the process of time, as time went on, then he returned and offered unto God. Versus his brother, who sa- which says, And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock. See, Abel didn't have a secondborn at that time, but he gave the first. Cain, on the other hand, had harvest and decided to wait before offering unto God. That is the only difference here. And one was cursed and one was, reje- or one was accepted. And the only difference is timing. You see, tithe, the tithe is not an action. It's actually a noun. Okay? And it's not just 10%. It's the very first 10%. Which means some people actually think it's okay Hey, I got $500 this week. I'll give 50 bucks on Sunday. But you did so after buying groceries and after paying for rent. You already spent the tithe on rent. At that point, you're just giving an offering similar to Cain. You see, Cain gave an offering of fruit. But Abel gave the tithe because it was a firstborn. It makes all the difference in the world. Yes, amen. It makes all the difference. You see, the tithe... Similar to the, the firstborn being, having to be sacrificed or redeemed, the tithe has to be either consecrated or it's cursed. In Malachi 3, 8 through 9, it's pretty cut and dry. And it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But, I, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation. So the timing is so important. Why? Because the timing shows your priorities. If God is your priority, he should be number one on the list. He shouldn't be after rent. He shouldn't be after transportation. He's always number one. In fact, you should pay, you should return unto God before you make sure nothing happens this week, right? What if I get in a car accident? What if this? What if that? What if that? Gas price is going up. He doesn't care. He wants the first because it's his anyway. And what God does is, similar to sacrifice and redeemed, when you sacrifice the first 10%, he redeems the rest. He's blessing the rest. In fact, he'll bless the 90% more than what the 10% could add to it. That's his promise. Everything about it is about our perspective. It's about our heart. It's about our priorities. You see, there's so much incredible symbolism. In fact, I'll get back to symbolism. I want to make another point here. The, the scripture is very clear as, as to where the tithe also goes as well. In Exodus 23, it's very specific. And it says, the first of the first fruits of your land shall, shall you bring to the house of the Lord your God. It doesn't say the first fruits goes to missions. It doesn't say the first fruits goes to TV ministry or donations. It says the first fruit goes to the house of the Lord. There's a very specific reason on why when we give announcements and we talk about, hey, if you're a guest, man, don't feel obligated to give it all. Why? Because this is not your house yet. And my pastor is not yours yet. You see, this is why pastor is very specific when he says, hey, I want you to go to a church where you trust the leadership. 
you need to go to a place where you can submit to the leadership and trust him. My pastor's an open hand kind of leader, which means he's not holding down on anybody. If you want to go, he, he, he welcomes you to. Why? Because your soul is more important than a paycheck. Your soul is more important than another tithe in the tithe book. I truly trust my pastor, and I trust the leadership here. I trust where the finances go, and I don't even know where it all goes. I know for a fact that he's not blowing it in a casino right now in Cosmel. I know it. I trust my leadership. But this is a salvation issue at the same time. Like God's saying, return it to your house, of, the house of God that you belong to, right? Okay, let me get back on track. I apologize. Got carried away. John 1.29 it says, when John the Baptist cried out and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Incredible for us. Because we are by nature unclean. And Jesus, the firstborn Son of God, is a perfect picture of cleanliness, holiness, perfect. And because we as Christians, we must also be either sacrificed or redeemed. But sacrificed is only for those who are clean. Redemption is for, for those who are unclean, which means we are placed in the redemption category. We need to be replaced by a clean, spotless lamb who is going to take our place. And Jesus, the perfect example of a spotless lamb, slain on Calvary for our sakes. He was God's tithe for us. He was the first fruits offering on our behalf. This is a symbolism here, folks. Listen, there, there are people who are saying logically... I can't afford another 10%. The government takes so much more. Well, when we look at the example of God, right? God sacrificed his firstborn son on your behalf before you ever believed. I know you don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the week. But hey, if God can trust and invest in something that he doesn't even know if I'm going to do it. If he doesn't even know if I'm going to respond to what he sacrificed for me, then why can't I do the same? Why can't I put away the 10% and return it back to him, not knowing what I need it for later on? You see, this is why he always sets the example first. And there are so many reasons on why the church does what the church does, and I just want to go through these real quick. The reason why we have church on Sundays is because it's the first day of the week, and we want to give it to God. The reason why here at First Church we fast the first three days of the month is because we want to give the first and the best of the month to God. The reason why we fast for the first 21 days of the year is because we want God to bless the rest of the year and we want to give him the first 21. Ever heard of the sacrifice of praise? Ever come to church and you find it difficult to praise? It's a sacrifice sometimes. But more than just a feeling, it's also a first fruit concept. You see, the only part of a service on Sunday that is only for God is the worship. That's the only part that's for God. Everything else is for us. And so when you come late, when you miss the worship, when you come in the middle of the sermon, guess what? You miss the first fruit. You miss the tithe of the day, which means everything else that you give is no longer tithe. Ah. The timing is important. The priority list is so important. In fact, what if, what if the sermon and the altar call would only be redeemed if you gave the tithe in the first place? Then what? We're going into a building campaign very soon. 
And the fact is you can't sacrifice for a new building that will guaranteed impact this city, impact this nation, impact this entire world. You can't, you can't give to something like that until you prioritize God in your finances first. It's very important, the, the, the priority levels here. And so we all know the story of the guy who Jesus said, hey, come follow me. Leave everything you have and follow me. And this man who just couldn't pull away from what he had. And on the flip side, we also see Abraham, who God said, take your son, take him up to the mountain, sacrifice him for me. You see, God already knew the end of the story. He already knew that there's a ram up top waiting for the sacrifice on behalf of this firstborn. He already knew. But Abraham didn't. You see, that wasn't a test for God to see what Abraham would do. That was a test for Abraham to see what Abraham would do. There are a lot of us who have not been pushed to the limits of our faith yet. And God's going to place us in a position so that we can actually see what God's put inside of us. I wonder how many times Abraham questioned that walk up the mountain. How many excuses were going through his head. But I guarantee you, after he got to the top, he had a completely different perspective on his faithfulness to God. I'm coming to a close soon. And when I'm done, I'm going to ask everyone to join us here at the altars, and we're going to pray. And we're going to start by asking God to forgive us of anything and everything that I've ever stolen from him. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm also talking about my priorities and my time and my thought life and my actions. If I haven't given him my best, how can he redeem the rest? And so after that, we're also going to make a covenant with God. We're going to say, God, if I do, when I do place you at the forefront of everything in my life, I'm asking you to meet me halfway and bless me the way you promised to. You see, I read some scripture um, as we were talking about going into a brand new building project, right, this campaign. And I remember when we went to... Um, Columbus, Indiana about a year ago and we walked through the church of a man named Dan Mitchell and he went through the exact same thing, the exact same season that we're going through right now. He just did it a few years earlier and he sat us around a table and he began to tell us about the miracles that happened with this church. The miracles upon miracles. Incredible stories. The man started bawling, crying because of the lives that are changed with opportunities like this. And he, he said, the only real regret that I have is not doing it sooner because the church could have been blessed so much sooner if I had. I'm going to read a lot, so just bear with me real quick. Exodus 25, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive an offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. Exodus 35, 20 through 29. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose hearts were moved then came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent meeting, for all its services, and all the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering unto the Lord. Everyone who had blue and purple, scarlet, yarn, and fine linen of goat hair, Ramskin, dyed red, and other durable leather, they brought it. 
Those presenting an offering of silver and bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work, they brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill set spun the goat hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. They also brought spices and olive oil for the lighting and the anointing oil and, and for the fragrance incense. And all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do and then Exodus 36 when it says and they received from Moses all the offerings of the Israelites that had brought to carry out the work of the constructing of the sanctuary and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning so all the skilled workers who were doing all the work for the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order that be sent out throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they had already done was more than enough to do all of the work. You see, the verse that I read at the beginning, Malachi, the, the Israelites would understand this verse to the letter. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. You see, the Israelites got to a place where they're not giving what they had before. Now they're coming to a place where they're giving back what God's given them in the first place. They had no room for the blessings that God gave them after they initially gave, and now they're trying to give it back for the kingdom and they're saying no there's no more room here either listen this is going to be the mantra of first church in the next three years i guarantee you that i'm so sick and tired of hearing about other people's miracles i'm so sick and tired about hearing what other people did in their lives i want the blessings and i want my own stories i want to know that god's used me in ways that nobody else has been used before i want my story written down as well in the name of jesus if you would stand in this place and come up to the front, we're going to pray real quick. And we're going to ask God to, to, to forgive us of anything that we've taken from him. Any money, any time, any, any priority. And then we're going to make a covenant. Why? Because I want to be used by God too. So if you would bow your heads. Close your eyes and lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of anything that I've taken away from you. In the name of Jesus, I know I'm not perfect, but I want to make a covenant here and now. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you at the forefront of my mind. I'm going to put you at the forefront of my wallet and of my time. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to redeem everything else and let the blessings pour out that I may continue to give until no one can take it anymore. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Come on, church.